Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go. Coming to you here live from our house. Whoops. No, you, I, I, when I say here we go, you don't say here we go because I'm already going. No, I was doing that game like you say something and then I say something to be irritating. Uh, let's play that game where I say something and you say nothing. <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. <laughs> that, that's something. Coming to you live okay. from our houses in Los Angeles. Coming to you live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Boundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, pigeons. They say pigeons are rats with wings, but what if you genetically engineered rats to have wings? Would they be just like pigeons, or would you touch off an epic struggle between the species that would be like a verminous twilight saga, making a super successful and surprisingly sexy young adult book and movie franchise? Just asking for a friend. Anyway, we've got our favorite animalologist, Dr. Eleanor Spicer Rice here to tell us about all things pigeon. Plus, you know that thing your loved one always says that drives you up a wall? Well, now we do too, and it's time to share with the whole class on True Confessions, Pet Peeve Edition. And just when you thought it was safe to go back into the water, it's the return of our book club. And the good news is that it can't possibly be Moby Dick again. I mean, it can't, right? I'm Adam Felber, this podcast patriarch, trying to keep our virtual town square clean and tidy and free of fluttery distractions. And now, please welcome our irrepressible magical nanny who can't help but feed every stray thought for tuppence a bag. It's Paula Poundstone. Hey, guys. Welcome, Paula. So nice to be with you, Adam. And thanks to tonight's house band, nobody, Marjorie Cooperman from Burlington, Massachusetts on piano. Can you imagine how bad it would suck to have the name Marjorie now? Wow, yeah. <laughs> Sorry so let me about just that, say, uh, Cooperman. Yeah, let me just say, nobody, Marjorie, not that Marjorie Cooperman. That's right. When you're hearing yeah. piano tonight, that's not Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. It's sort of like, um, what if your father's name was Sam when that serial killer was around? Do you see what I'm saying? 
You mean the serial killer David Berkowitz? No, son of Sam. Oh, yeah. Right, so everybody would go and like, it's a shame about your boy. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, yeah. Uh, Hi, I'm Sam, and, and this is my son. It would just feel awful. Yeah, it would be really weird. <laughs> What's new, Paula Poundstone? <laughs> um, I'm very excited about uh, the, we're choosing a new book. Uh, for yes. the book club, and you know that that means very soon Bonnie's going to have a new theme song. Uh, it's a new day. Uh, have you been reflecting on what book you? Because we're all going to suggest a book. Uh, yeah, for you want to get right to that? Meeting. I thought you might have some sort of amusing anecdote to share with us. As you oh, an amusing do. anecdote. <laughs> huh. Yeah, well, you know, we took a vacation. <laughs> yeah. I did. You know what I did? Uh, I swam out in the Atlantic Ocean to the buoy that marks the swimming area from the rest of the Atlantic Ocean. And I've done that before, um, but I did it twice in one day, which is it's a big swim for me. But the thing is, I'm not swimming freestyle. I'm just sort of doing a weird stroke that's not really a stroke because from the minute I get in the water, all I can hear is the eight notes from uh, Jaws. Which eight? Oh, yeah, that that, that'll be yeah. those. <laughs> yeah, I just A little half-step you know, ditty by John Williams, I think. Yeah, ruined the ocean for everybody. Yeah, just poking so, my head up, looking around. Um, but it was, it was good. You know, it's good. Gets the old ticker going. Great. I, did you notice this? The swimming is any easier for you now that you've been doing all those nightly improvements that you've been tweeting about? Um, no. You know, I, I, when I was younger, I was a good swimmer. I was, uh, well, you know who that reminds me of? Shelly Winters. Who? Uh, Shelly Winters from... Um, <laughs> Mrs. Wait, she Mrs. didn't survive Rosen. the Poseidon Adventure, did she? Mrs. Rosen from the Poseidon Adventure. Uh, yeah. in, in the water, I'm a very skinny lady. So that was... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. All right. So yeah. So it's good. It was well, good. I, I wanted to say something to Paula. I wanted to yes. say something. I really missed you while you were on your vacation. And oh. I, you know, I buddy, this is not a support group, and so. No. <laughs> Nor have no, you been introduced but, yet, Bonnie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Bonnie Captain Burns. Crinkle. <laughs> Hello. Um, AKA Captain no, Crinkle. You know, and it made me wonder. Is it like when people go on a diet and then you really want to eat? It's always like you were gone. And then I was like, oh, I really want to talk to Paula. And I really tried to restrain myself from sending you emails. And then like I did send you a couple. And then I was sitting there going, I wonder what, if she's going to respond to this. And then I thought, OK, I know which one she's not going to respond to. And I think I was uh, like, you might not have responded to any of them. No, I don't think I did. <laughs> Oh, okay. She was on vacation. <laughs> no, you asked me a question, and I remember that I answered yes. I just sent back yes. Okay. Well, and I, no, I tell you, I really did miss. I did miss you. Even well, so, right. Thank you. That's inappropriate for a manager to say to the client. Oh, I don't think well, so. I'm embarrassed. I'm a little no, embarrassed. No, you know what? Um, usually, a manager only misses their client fifteen percent. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah, I was just saying that one of the things that sucks about going on vacation is when you when you get back. Now, I was a little bit homesick, so I didn't mind returning. I missed my animals. But, you know, realizing that I am not going to have another vacation for a year at least, uh, that's not a good feeling. Um, you know, but then You're you just got to— You're booked every week for the next year. Well, technically, well, when the dates go away because of COVID— you know, then I'm dancing as fast as I can. You know, I'm I'm busking somewhere. Uh, you know, basically, right. uh, I'm putting charcoal, uh, uh, you know, on my cheeks, uh, and and wearing a ragged shirt and standing on the street corner. So and singing, who will buy? Who will buy? <laughs> you know what I did do on my um, on the airplane going uh, to Massachusetts and coming home. Uh, I was reading that new book, uh, I Alone Can Fuck It Up. <laughs> the Who book wrote about, that? The book about Trump by Carol Enig and Phil Rucker. About the last year of the Trump administration. And That uh, was a boy, good one. Uh, I'm, I'm only about, mm, I don't know, a quarter of the way through, but it's a spine tingler. I, well, that I is a good segue to our book club. Is that your oh, suggestion for our book club? Perf- no, it isn't. Uh, I have a great suggestion for the book club, though. All right. Well, let's do that, because as as our listeners know, we had a book club last year that, or this year that took up a good portion of the year because we all read Moby. We all read Moby Dick. And when I say Don't we all, say read, we Moby all Dick, read Moby Dick, because someone didn't read Moby Dick. In fact, maybe some two didn't read Moby Dick. <laughs> I read part of it. Well, I think there Adam we go. stopped, too. Adam stopped. No, Adam, Adam restarted eventually because I, I felt bad. But in any case, um, now we've got a new book, but we have to choose the book. So let yeah. me go around the horn. We'll start with you, Paula Poundstone. What do you suggest? And then we'll vote on it. What do you suggest for the new book club? All right. Here's my suggestion. And I want you to think of this like as a, as a diner, a person eating a food, or as a chef preparing a food. I want to read... All We Can Save, uh, which is about climate change, and just so you know, it's by Johnson and Catherine Wilkinson, but I want to read that book one week, you know, read a couple chapters one week, and the following week, I want to read a couple chapters of The Mystery of the Spiral Bridge, a Hardy Boys book, and then go back to see, I want to stagger... <laughs> Reading a week of all we can save and a week of uh, the mystery of the spiral bridge, and par- wow. partly because I think all we can save will be massively depressing, um, but also I think that the Hardy Boys, you know, they really get out of some tight spots, and I think it could be inspirational on how to handle climate change. Wow. Well, that's a great <laughs> suggestion. And I'm not going to react to it yet because I want to hear everybody's suggestion. Uh, but, Paula, that's really great. Um, let's move on down the line to... Uh, you know what it is? Uh, it was dis- sweet and sour. What? It's a salted caramel. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's a salted... It, yeah, sea salt and chocolate. Sweet and sure. savory. Isn't that um, what they call... Yeah. Yeah, sweet and savory. It's, it's, like, it's like kettle corn. Yes, very much. Except for it, the hulls don't get stuck over your teeth. Speaking of hulls, over in Sherman Oaks, we've got Tony Anita Hull. Um, what, is, what is your suggestion for the book club, Tony? 
So I have two suggestions. Oh, God damn The it. first one. Yes. <laughs> the first one is by friend of the podcast, Mary Roach. Bonk, Ooh. the curious coupling of science and sex. Ooh. Ooh. So that's my first, my first one. And then the second one is... Fifty Shades of Grey? No. I have read the trilogy. Don't judge me. Um, but Eat, Pray, Love. <laughs> oh, oh, Paula's been wanting to read so that. You can, so you can have an informed opinion about it and just aside, instead of deciding that you dislike it. You might like it. I won't like it. Um, I might, I might, I might be willing to read it out of my love for you, but I won't like, I can guarantee you I won't like it. Um, there's only one thing in those three words that I really enjoy doing. (laughs) (laughs) That's the first chapter. It'll draw you in. Oh yeah. I've read it three times. Wow. Read it three times. So you, so you yes. know what you're getting oh into my here. God. No. Yes, I Plus do. You t- took a trip. Didn't you quit your job? I did. Or it something? inspired like me job? to quit my corporate job and backpack through mm. Europe. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. That is powerful. <laughs> well, huh. that could have been good. I mean, that probably expanded her. Don't ever, don't ever read that book about the Boston Strangler. Yeah. <laughs> so so easily molded. Wow, well, Tony, those are two great suggestions. Um to be clear, you're you're talking about Eat Pray Love, which which you love, and and uh the Mary Roach book, which I think we talked about briefly during her interview, which I'm interested in reading too, Bunk, The Curious Coupling Bunk. of Science and Sex. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we got that and Paula's twofer. Bonnie Burns, Captain Crinkle. Oh, well, here, for those who have missed it. Oh, have we ever. By the way, I would like to read a Mary Roach book about the coupling of clowns called Boing. (laughs) (laughs) Did she? (laughs) Yeah, maybe we could do that next. You've already made your suggestions. Yeah, maybe I'll... I'll, Maybe I'll give Mary Roach that suggestion. Assuming that you didn't just crumple up a book, Bonnie, what are you suggesting? You know, based on some ideas that we've kicked around at our meetings, I was going to vote for the Nancy Drew. Uh, It's a title with something about the candlestick because I used to wait for every new book that came out, Nancy Drew. But now that I've heard uh, Paula's connection here with All We Can Save... And the Hardy Boys, which I really didn't like the Hardy Boys. I didn't read them, but I get you, the connection. Sir, you didn't read and I them. think it would be entertaining. If I, you didn't read I them, for the then Hardy why Boys. do you know you didn't like them? And you're supposed not, to be suggesting, not voting. I know. <laughs> yeah. Suggest yeah. a fucking book title. I'm a rule breaker. What she, can I say? This is why it's so important to have drop boxes. You didn't do your homework, the, Burns. Nancy Drew, Mystery of the Missing Candlestick. No, I think Paula has a clever idea. I'm going to take her idea. And I, so like what it. was your idea? Oh, my God. My idea was to like your idea of Nancy Drew, but you've come up. You didn't do your homework, Bonnie. Idea. 
You're going to okay, have to see us after class. All right, all right. Here's my idea. The Kafka story about the guy that uh, wakes up and he's a cockroach. Metamorphosis. That's not even a book. a short story. Sure. That's metamorphosis. Okay. <laughs> it's a short story. It's a few pages. No, there was a television. It would be quick. There would be did you quick. Know, it's a little did you know there was, there was a television uh, series made of that book, and it was sponsored by Raid? Really? No. No. I, I love that idea. Yeah. Any case, any case, Bonnie, okay, that's not even wait, a book. I have one. I have one. It's yes. metamorphosis with eat, pray, love. And it's the comparison <laughs> of how the lady found herself going through Europe, Italy, and the guy that wakes up and he's a cockroach and doesn't understand why. So wait, she found herself going through Italy? So what, she was like unconscious and then all of a sudden she, she was like, I'm going through Italy. I, it's, it's just as plausible as that, that guy Gregor, Gregor Samsa, I believe, waking up and finding out he's a cockroach. Um, Bonnie, you're going to have to see me after class. That's uh, a... <laughs> it's eat, eat, pray, you have bug. completely failed this assignment. Oh, stop crinkling. All, all right, right, Adam, <laughs> what about you? Um, I wanted to suggest... Um, the Code Breaker by uh, Walter Isaacson. Walter Isaacson's the guy who wrote that fantastic Ben Franklin book and the Steve Jobs book. And his new book is called um, The Code Breaker, Jennifer Doudna, Gene Editing and the Future of the Human Race. This woman, she was, when she was a little girl in Hawaii, um, her dad dropped a book about uh, double helix and DNA on her bed, and she just kind of became addicted to the stuff and became a Nobel Prize-winning scientist who has created a tool for gene editing called CRISPR um, that is really exciting. One of the things that it was just used for, she just developed it after he wrote the book, was a COVID test that takes five minutes and is very accurate. And that's all using the technology of the stuff she pioneered. And this is a, I hear it's a page turner. I mean, the Steve Jobs book was really great. So is the Ben Franklin one. It's The Code Breaker by Walter Isaacson. How many pages? I can't imagine. Yeah, it's, it's going to be thick. I have a feeling it's thick. I don't know. It's got pages, could, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> we could use it to smash the cockroach. Um, I don't think it's that big, but okay. I, I don't. Five sixty, five hundred and sixty pages. If anyone. Oh Jesus! Oh. It's a snack compared to Moby Dick. I, I have a feeling I, it's going to have a lot of stuff that I can't follow because the science. Um, yeah, well, he's, it's, it's possible, although he's really good at explaining things. I mean, that's one of the things I loved about the Steve Jobs book. You didn't have to know anything about computers to understand what was going on in that. But, um, look, look, nobody has to vote for my thing. I'm probably going to read it anyway. Um, but, and it is time for us to vote. So to, let me, let me just say, my opinion is that Bonnie, Bonnie hasn't really suggested anything. Um. I haven't? She suggested no. metamorphosis. No, Com okay. I suggested Nancy she wanted Nancy know. Drew. Okay, because Nancy so that Drew. Came from, okay. And pa Paula has suggested a book that that I've read about that will depress me, and The Hardy Boys, which I think is garbage. So The I Hardy Boys gonna, are not I'm, garbage. When was the last time you read a Hardy Boys book? A few years back. Oh, okay. No, they um, suck. Why do? Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> no, but she has a fun idea. This from the girl who sat on the edge of her bed waiting for a new Nancy Drew. I, you know what, I Nancy was Drew. Young. 
She blacked out in so many episodes and no one ever guessed drugs. Um, she was forever passing out. Yeah. Um, I want to say that I am uh, I'm leaning towards either one of Tony Anita Hall's suggestions because I, I, would, I no! have no idea what to find in Eat, Pray, Love. And Mary Roach was a delightful guest. And, and chapter after chapter of, of, of the weird, you know that it's not just going to be a book about sex. It's going to be weird. Um, nope. So both of those are appealing the to me. The book about weird sex. But, but Paula's read that book, Bunk. Right? No, I haven't. No. Oh. No, I haven't read that book. I read Grunt. You're confusing that with the book about sex. It's a different kind of grunt. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, Paula, what are your opinions about all these before we take our final vote? Oh, jeez. It's all very compelling. I, here's what I think. I think that it's important that both us and our listeners know about climate change. There are some su- supposedly, I just read a like a little review of it or a little discussion of it, but there are supposed to be like some solutions. It's not supposed to be a totally depressing book, but I think it's hard to read a book about the potential end of the world. And we're not changing yeah. what we're doing quickly. You know, we've been, we've been told for years that time was running out and now recently they go, oh, it's happening faster than we thought. So basically, um, we're going to re- when we drown from the rising of the waters, we'll be reading all we can save. We'll have that in our hand when the, when the tide comes up. Um, or maybe it'll be the week that we're reading uh, The Mystery of the Spiral Bridge. I don't know. Um, so anyways, I do think it's an important topic. I, I, I agree that it's an important topic. I'm not going to vote for it. Bunny? Well, I agree that it's an important topic, and I agree that I think you need something to balance it with some levity. But the Hardy Boys is probably a one-week read, right? Right. Not if you do it right. Um, you know, Aunt Gertrude is a character of much more depth than people realize. It's, it's, Fenton, Hardy Hardy's, it's Fenton Hardy's spinster sister. And... Okay. You know, they judged that sort of thing back then. <laughs> yeah, they did. <laughs> How yeah. long um, is the uh, All We Can Save? That 448 book? pages. Wow. Ooh. 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 I don't know. Uh, and it's more of an anthology time. than a book, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a long time. It's a lot of science. Um I, uh, Tony, argue for one or both of your books. Which one would you prefer to do? I vote Eat, Pray, Love because I think everyone should read it before they form an opinion about it and call it Eat, Pray, Fuck. (laughs) It is Eat, Pray, Fuck. (laughs) And who's the actress that was in it that I, oh, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, but the book is different than the movie, kind of. Not really, but it's better. <laughs> I, <laughs> am, right. I am so um, persuaded. It's time to vote, everybody. Okay. Can't we have better choices? No. Well, so <laughs> we could have brought them, body. I know. I just it's feel our like fault. This is it's my you know, fault. This is you know the people who wanted to recall Gavin Newsom. This is exactly what I they know. said in their meeting. Couldn't we have better choices? I uh, I, Gavin Newsom is terrific. He's doing a good job. He had that stupid eating out of the fancy ass restaurant thing. Dumb, stupid, horrible. But outside of that, 
you know, he's fine. But they had this like idea to, to recall him. And then they come up like the names on the recall. It was horrible. Horrible. Can't we have better choices? Yeah. Uh, so the answer to the recall is no. Um, all right. <laughs> I would read. I would read. Uh, I don't want Caitlyn Jenner to be our governor, but I will allow her to read aloud. Eat, pray, love to me. <gasps> wow. <gasps> Paula, are you casting a vote for eat, pray, love? I would read Wait eat, pray, love. If I had to. I am ca- I am casting my vote for Eat, Pray, Love. I The last time I suggested Moby Dick, and we went with my suggestion, and I'm willing to give someone else a turn, even if it's Eat, Pray, Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, what's your vote? Eat, Pray, Love. Eat, Pray, Love is my vote. Tony right, changed so her suggestion to The Secret. <laughs> <laughs> I've read Bonnie. that book, too. Don't, oh, my Bonnie, God. I- I, I read The Secret, too, but for, for interesting reasons. Um, Bonnie, it's uh, your turn. I, I, I want to wait until every vote is counted. Although, at this point, your vote doesn't really count. But what do you vote for? Buy yourself the fucking lilies. What? What? I don't know. I just, I'll take anything. Other Buy than yourself the fucking well. lilies? What did you say? Well, I looked up. Shop the New York Times bestsellers list, and that came up. Okay, we already... No, no, no. We've already made our suggestion. Now we are to the voting part. You know what? I don't know. This whole you thing have failed is both the suggestion part and the voting part. I'm getting the cyber ninjas to go over this voting. <laughs> I cannot bring myself to vote for an eat pray. You know what? Then vote I for abstain. something else. You abstain. All I, right. So I the, the final Paula's voting. Idea. All right. The, okay. Abs- great. I'm fu- abstaining. I'm abstaining. She's You're so abstaining and voting for Paula's idea. That's yeah. very complicated. The final vo- tally is three votes for eat pray love, one vote for Paula's suggestion, and one vote for abstention from the same person who voted for Paula's. <laughs> <suggestion>. <laughs> And with that, Eat, Pray, Love shall be the next book in our book club. I'm going to be so embarrassed to get it from the library. Me too. I'm so excited. All right. And so, Paula. um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have a feeling that none of my vocabulary words are going to come up in Eat, Pray, Fuck. But I have a word. All right. It's pugnacious. It's an adjective Ooh. that means eager to argue, quarrel, or fight. Uh, here, I'll use it in a sentence. Airlines require both masks and two pugnacious passengers on each flight. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, it, it might help if I use it also in a family setting. These mashed potatoes are lumpy. I got you that expensive food processor for your birthday. You couldn't have run these spuds through that? Sometimes I enjoy hand mashing. It's good for stress. Apparently you're not stressed enough. There are lumps in my mashed potatoes. Uh, All right. All right. Just give me the potatoes. No, I'll crush the lumps with my fork. Just give me the fucking potatoes. You two sure are pugnacious tonight. 
We'll not have that kind of talk at the table. Dad, it's an adjective that means eager to argue, quarrel, or fight. Your mother and I can fight just fine in English, and you can just pugnacious right up to your room. Okay, we are going to need wow. this word. Uh, I'm putting sure. it right into the vocabulary song. Hold on. I got to I got to grab my Glock. Uh Where'd it go? This week's word is pugnacious. <laughs> it's an adjective that means eager to argue, quarrel, or fight. I'll kick your ass for flying a kite. Last week's <laughs> word was intrepid. It's an adjective that means not afraid of danger or difficulty, brave or bold. I'm walking into this cave even though there are wolverines in here, I'm told. The week before that, the word was dolor. It's a noun that means a state of great sorrow or distress. Lucy and Ethel stopped being friends in the episode when they bought the same dress. Going back before that, the word was ecomium. It's a noun that means a speech or piece of writing praising someone or something. In conclusion, I would like to reiterate, no one in the entire world has ever made such a fine vegan buffalo wing. And not long ago, we had risible. It's an adjective that means causing laughter. Ridiculous. Next year, I'll be teaching calculus. Let's never forget calamari, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable. Replicable, replicable. But I do, I do. I do, I do. Yeah. Wow, you you have not lost a step, Paula. You know, I feel like I could hear some of the the muscular um, fruits of your swimming labors in in, in the way you played that that Glock tonight. Really forceful. Well, you know, one night uh, on the beach, we had a, a fire pit. And uh, a lot of people encouraged me to take out my Glock and uh, play. So I did. I. <sighs> yeah, there's nothing like there's nothing like a Glock by the by the beach on, on yeah. the campfires. Yeah, it's like the opening scene right. of Jaws. <laughs> That's right. Ding 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 ding. Coming up, <laughs> Benjamin Franklin once said, "Kill no more pigeons than you can eat." That was about two years before he wrote his famous essay on why no one accepts my dinner invitations anymore. We'll dig into the tasty subject of pigeons next <laughs> on Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh my Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. 
That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress batch in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress from my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula, you know, every once in a while we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of a midsummer night's dream okay and i played i played peter quince there there's the connection one of the mechanicals that's a great connection also yes has nothing to do with this which is that um quince is an online clothing store and as you know paula i've uh, i've lost a little weight lately oh right 75 pounds yeah so i literally have no clothes that are in my size until i just ordered some stuff at quince and i figured like here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself a whole new image. And how's it going? 
not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the um, oh, it's so. And I got the hundred percent European linen shirt, and it looks breezy, and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like you know thirty dollars a piece, or starting at thirty dollars at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger. Ooh. And you know, I put them on when I came back from New York. I pulled them on, and I I swear to you, okay. This is not scientific because I was tired already. Right. But they were so soft <laughs> and, and so comfortable that honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so, it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. You can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. When sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't <laughs> think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They man. cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. Hey, listener, it's Zach Harper, Amin Hassan, and Anthony Mays of Cinephobe. You may be asking yourself, what is Cinephobe? Amin, would you like to fill in the people? Cinephobe is the podcast where Zach and I watch movies that are poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes and try to ascertain. Oh, we're trying to well. ascertain? Yes. Okay. Right. Ascertain. Whether or not they're accurately poorly rated, or maybe they didn't get a fair shake. Cinephobe, produced by this guy, Anthony Mays. Hey, that's me. I produced this show. I also watched the movies, even though that wasn't included in the description, and I also ascertained. This month is... Wow! Oh, Maze, why'd you say that? Supercharge it. <laughs> so that this promo can remain evergreen. I feel like explaining a little bit more. In 60 seconds? I don't know. Maybe I don't bring attention to it. Assuring people like, look, if you listen, you're going to get it. Just give it, give it time. That's a good promo. Just listen to it. Give it time. You'll figure it out. Is this the promo right now? Isn't it? Okay, I think we got it. Cinefo. Wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> On this day in unremarkable history, John Chapman, also known as Johnny Appleseed, said, I would just like to have a peach. Is there anything wrong with that? Thank you.
Thank you, house band Marjorie Cooperman. Now, Paula Not Poundstone. that Marjorie. No, Marjorie Cooperman. Oh, yeah. People have just have such a knee jerk response to Marjorie. Marjorie Cooperman, the good Marjorie. Yeah, she's not involved in Congress at all, really. No. Um, hey, Paula Poundstone, you and I have a distinction in that I suspect that we are uh, two adults here in the 21st century that talk about Mary Poppins more than most. I love Mary Poppins. It's my favorite movie. Uh, so I, I often refer to it. Right. And as I was talking to you about this month, my my wife was choreographing two productions, one of which featured my daughter as uh, little Jane Banks and one that featured my son as Bert the Chimney Sweep. So I've been living in Mary Poppins land. And in the course of our talking about Mary Poppins, um, you had an observation slash questions about the uh, Tuppence lady. Well, you know, the Feed the Birds woman, uh, who, by the way, was the same actress who played Ma in Grapes of Wrath. Um, Is it good to feed the birds? You know, and interestingly, they showed the birds animated in Mary Poppins. Um, And maybe that's because up close they're too scuzzy. I don't know if it's good to feed them at all. Shouldn't they make their own way? Isn't that important? Well, I, I think pigeons, I mean, I don't know, but I think pigeons kind of have a symbiotic relationship with us or maybe even parasitic, depending, but I don't know. But we have someone here who does. No. Yes, we do. You might remember Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice. She's an entomologist, science writer, researcher, and also a pigeon fancier. She has written seven books, most recently Ants, Workers of the World. Please welcome returning champ, Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for having me back, y'all. So here's the question. Uh, Why are pigeons in the city? Have they adapted to living in the city like humans have? Well, there's a short answer to why they're living in the city. And then there's a long answer. The short answer is that it's all our fault. And the long answer goes back 10,000 years because we've been keeping pigeons that long. They They were these doofy, fat birds living on these cliffs in Mesopotamia or Eurasia called um, rock doves. And they were easy to catch. So people used to catch them and we domesticated them pretty quickly after that to keep them as pets. They went all around the world. I mean, people started keeping them everywhere because they taste good and they're easy to keep and they're slow on the ground. And so what happened was when, for example, when they came to the United States, these were one of the first animals that we brought with us to the United States, right? We had to have our pigeons with us because they were tasty and they were easy to keep. And what happened was we started doing these things called building cities. And we built these giant buildings with these flat faces. And we started throwing all of our food on the ground like trash, you know? And so it looked a lot like their old homeland uh, back in, you know, the ancient days where they lived on these rock faces, these cliff faces, and they foraged around on the ground for food, except for the cliff faces now are, are building. So they're just doing what comes naturally to them. Yeah, we've built them their dream life, and then we keep expanding it. So they live here because we've because we've built cliffs for them to live on, and we've brought them here with us. 
when you say we brought them over, like the British brought them over or the Yeah, they were the one Spaniards? of the first birds. They were one of the very easy birds to carry. I mean, they, they're, they're easy to keep and they make a lot of babies, so they're easy to eat. So they didn't, but we didn't have cities for, for a while. We didn't have these rock faces for them. Uh, where did they live in frontier colonial days? They lived in these little houses that we built called dovecotes. And they're just these little houses with these little holes in them. And if you look now, if you go out in the country, you don't see very many pigeons out in the country. They have a really hard time surviving out there. They don't, that's not what they like. Yeah, no cliffs, no buildings. They've got no buildings or cliffs. That's right. So they but they're really called dovecotes? Yeah, a dovecoat is um is a as a structure that we've built and we've been building these for thousands of years to keep our pigeons. I always mm-hmm. I thought dovecoats were little jackets, you know. With, oh, with that would be so cute. That would be really cute. Now what what so they're easy to catch. All right. What are the stages of their development? I don't think I've ever seen a baby pigeon. They all look the same to me pretty much. Oh, Although well, usually there's like a white one somewhere in the crowd. And I'm yeah. like, how how'd they get there? Well, you know, the white ones, like when people have those ceremonies and they release those white doves and people cry at the beauty and wonder of these creatures flying away at their marriage and stuff, those are just pigeons. They're just pigeons that happen to be white. But they're, oh, they're not doves? I didn't doves know Doves are pigeons. Yeah, doves are, doves are pigeons. Mm-hmm. How dare you? I didn't I know. know that. Oh, they wow. Are. But huh. anyway, so for their development, when they're born, they're really, really ugly. They look like little dinosaurs. They have these huge beaks. And they're kind of like those uh, children that never leave home and never do anything. They just sit at home all the time. They live in the nest for a really long time before they go anywhere. And they get really, really fat, like compared to other birds. That's why people eat squab. Have y'all ever had squab? I haven't ever had it. No. No. It's pigeon? That's what squab is? It's a baby pigeon that never left the nest. Uh, How many names do these birds need? They need a lot. Because people don't like them, but um, so, yeah. So all right. They just so really, really it's a restaurant that just wants to serve pigeon, but they're but yes. they know that people are like that's gross. So they go. But would you would you like the squab this evening? But doesn't squab sound grosser than pigeon though? Neither one sounds good to me because squab I've seen sounds what, like you stepped in it. I've they, it's no because I've seen what they eat. Yeah, you, you know. In fact, I've always wondered <laughs> if somebody in some fancy ass restaurant somewhere hasn't sliced into their, you know, their high-end pigeon to find a hostess apple pie wrapper in there. <laughs> I probably have. And when they're babies, though, one thing that's really cute about them is that their parents, they have biparental care. So the mother and the father will take turns sitting on eggs. They take shifts. So one will oh, be there wow. from like 10 to 6, and then she'll get up and he'll come and sit for a little while. And then when they're born or hatch, both parents make milk in their crops. They make this white stuff that looks like milk. It's called pigeon milk, and they feed it to their babies, the mother and the father. Wait, when you say in their crops, is, is are crops like... A, a crop like, is like a stomach that, that, their first stomach that they use to kind of grind up their food. And uh, they just okay. turn food and some of the fats and some of the enzymes from their body, and they, they mix it all up, and it turns into this white substance that looks like milk. And then they yak it up for their kids? They open up their mouth, and their baby sticks their head down their mouth, and they drink from their throat, from the parents' oh, There's nothing oh repulsive gosh. about that at all. No, I'm so oh, glad I'm not sweet. a pigeon baby. <laughs> you look at them. <laughs> so you've seen sweet. them doing it before? You've seen, like, the oh, baby yeah. sticking its head down the parents' mm-hmm. gullet? Oh, my oh yeah. Gosh. They just stick it down there and eat it, and... 
they get really, really fat and they don't leave home for a long time until their parents finally kick them out of the nest because they can't, they can't support that anymore. They probably Um, don't have, uh, it's probably hard for them to have empty nest syndrome because they stay so long. I, yeah, they stay um, so long. They just kind of get over it. Boy, it makes my tippy Tommy cup look great. Because uh, that's what I had. I had a tippy Tommy cup. Oh, yeah, those uh, were the which best. Is, they would keep them from throwing up. Yeah, it was much better than sticking my head down my mother's throat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so they stay in the nest for, like, how long? Um, They can stay, at, like, in the wintertime. They can stay, at, like, a month and a half or, you know, longer, just until the parents are ready to have other babies that are not them. So when the mother gets pregnant again, then the, the baby, uh, wow. Then the, or when the baby is just really, really big. Uh-huh. They'd have babies all year round. And that could be because we bred them to produce a lot so that we can eat them. You just a want lot. to blame us for everything. It's our <laughs> fault. But look what we get. All right. So, and do the parents teach them to fly once they're all porky? They can fly on their own and they, they even learn how to get home on their own. So, a lot of that stuff comes from within. And, um, but their parents mostly just pork them up and send them out on their, into their lives but they remember each other they are good at homing a homing pigeon is just a pigeon a homing pigeon is a pigeon there there are a bunch of different types of pigeons from the rock dove right because we've been keeping them for so long that we've selectively bred them to for whatever we want like mike tyson keeps these pigeons called rollers and they can fly up and do little flips in the air and come on back, but they aren't really good for homing. And some of them have these big fat tails and stuff. So a homing pigeon it was just bred to come home. So like the pharaohs in Egypt, when the Niles would flood, they would use homing pigeons to send messages between cities or the Romans would place their bets on the Olympics with homing pigeons. And they're wonderful because they can fly home from extremely long distances. How do they figure that out? Like you have to, I don't see how you send it if I'm if I'm at home and I have my pigeon, how do I send it somewhere else if its instinct is to go home? They, you can't. You only can send it home. A lot of people think, well, I could send write a note and send it to Adam, and then he could write a note and send it to you. Mm-hmm. But really, I could just send a pigeon home with you, and you can write me a note and send it back Paula, home. Paula, is that why you haven't been replying to my pigeons? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Have you been right? Oh, I feel I have sent out like 30 pigeons this summer alone. And I just say, find Paula and send them off. This is like having AT&T. It it drops your calls. (laughs) Well, Um, the original AP wire was pigeons. Like the original mm -hmm. newspapers sent their news back to the newspaper by pigeon. And we would use them for like. In the United, when the World's War One and Two, we had this thing called the United States Pigeon Service, where we trained all of these birds to fly back to their bases, and we used them to send secret messages during the battle. So all these pigeons have been decorated with all these medals of honor because they saved hundreds and hundreds of lives during World War Two. Wow! Oh, that's amazing. This makes me respect them much, much more. They've been helping us for years. I mean, they are a product of our own design. We have taken this bird off of the cliff and turned it into exactly what it is today. Wow. But we consider them a menace. I mean, some people do. Well, they poop a lot. Yeah, they sure do. And, And so that's a problem. 
And yeah. people think that they carry diseases, which it's a you have a very small risk of getting a disease from a pigeon, but they do vector diseases between bird populations. But the good thing about that is that they're also kind of the canaries in the coal mine for diseases, because if something's affecting the pigeons, then you know you need to check out the... Wait, canaries are pigeons too? These guys are everywhere. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another word for pigeon too. They are. They are everywhere. Aside from the homing instinct, um, uh, are they smart beyond that? <gasps> oh, yes. They are so smart because pigeons are so abundant and we don't really get our feelings hurt when people do experiments on them. We've done a lot of experiments on pigeons and every time we do, we are shocked by how smart they are. Like they have these incredible memories. So they can remember how to get home from a very long distance. We were just talking about homing. They can go over a thousand miles. Like the longest distance that they've flown that they've known about is more than 7,000 miles. This pigeon flew from France to Vietnam in 24 days. But they can remember all, like, have this navigational force to get home. But in addition to that, they can, like, remember people. Like, they'll remember you. The pigeons that live, they, you're not watching them, but they're watching you. They can remember you, and they can remember your pets, and they can remember things for years. So they'll show them all these images, and they'll come back years later, and the pigeon can remember hundreds of in images years later. They just don't forget. They're like elephants. And they That's have— amazing. Oh, they're amazing. They have these mathematical abilities that are on par with primates. They can do abstract math. They like can count. How and do they, they can know? use the numbers? How do they, they how do they know they're counting? Because Just a they look teach on their them face? numbers. Yeah. They well, they teach them the numbers and then they make them rank objects that are like they teach them the number one, two, three. And then they make them rank the objects in order of like less to greater. So they, they can take the idea of a number. And then translate that to an actual number of something and then rank those things by number, which they only thought that primates could do that. But you know, one of the creepiest things that they can do that's really smart <laughs> is that they can recognize words. So ha it's called okay. orthographic information. <laughs> so orthographic? Taught, yeah, like writing. They like, they've taught pigeons how to read. Like they don't know that, you know, the pigeon doesn't, they don't think can see like the word home and know that it is home but they see the letters for home and they can remember that as a word. So they can teach them like 58 written words and they can pick those words out of thousands of meaningless words. But then they can also recognize words that they've never seen before from just meaningless letters. So they recognize what a word is. And they thought that only people could do this, but pigeons can do it. They're like, super wow. super smart. I know. You know, a, a, a famous pigeon once said, I'll be your best friend. I'll give you $5. No fun. I bet your mom would let me. What's the big deal? More true facts about pigeons and their desire to drive buses when we come back. What on earth is that? It's, it's, it's a quote from Don't Let the Don't Pigeon, let drive, the pigeon the drive the Bus. Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> Cat of the Week is Wonton from Gloucester, Massachusetts. And we're back with Dr. Eleanor Spicer Rice. Paula. Um, you know what? I need to ask you uh, the, should the bird woman in Mary Poppins should she be feeding the birds? 
you know, she really should not have been feeding those birds. Ah, Why not? Well, first of all, people in cities, when they feed pigeons, they're not feeding them bird food. They're feeding the same junk that they eat, which is just as bad for the pigeons as it is for them. So it's not really doing them any good and it can make them sick and stuff. And also they don't eat it a lot. So then the rats come out at night and eat it. So they've shown that like, People who drop all their junk on the ground, basically just feeding the rats. But the problem with feeding the pigeons a lot is that it helps them to reproduce and you can get a major overpopulation problem when you feed them a lot. And we think that pigeons eat a lot more or need a lot more food than they do because we eat a lot of food, but really they just need a tiny amount of food a day. So when you're out there dumping all your food out, hmm? what do they eat left to their own devices? They like if they well left to their own devices, they'll eat anything, but they they thrive on seeds just like they did in the olden days. So it's uh, so it's a menace when there's too many. Right. Right. And it's easy to make too many because they reproduce so quickly and And they reproduce so quickly because we wanted them to back a long time ago so that we could eat all their babies. But do we still want them? Are there still good things that pigeons do? Yes. So what they've done in terms of ecology is that many researchers have discovered that they are what they call a keystone species within an urban ecology. So a keystone species means that that is a species that so many other species in the ecosystem depend upon that if you took them out, everything would change or it would collapse. So they, they are dispersing seeds across the city. They are fertilizing things with that, all that poop that they're having and they're a really important food resource for all the um, the birds of prey that are now making a comeback. And that's really good for native bird populations because pigeons are so fat and they are, can, are relatively easy to catch a lot of times, especially in the cities, that they make up most of the diet of many birds of prey that are living in the cities. Like 75% of the peregrine falcon diet is pigeons. So they're all feasting on pigeons and they're making a comeback and it's really good for the native birds and they're good for us. And um, they're good for us. In what ways are they good? Yeah, like right now they're putting little backpacks on them and making them fly around and check out air quality while they're there. And they're doing, they're helping out with a lot of scientific studies that they need. Um, wow. And they've been doing that for years. They want up until the eighties, they used pigeons to find people lost at sea. They would train pigeons to detect people you know, floating in the ocean. And it was like this crazy successful program with the Coast Guard. They would like strap the pigeon to the bottom of a helicopter and let the helicopter fly over the ocean. And the pigeon was like, could find the body 90% of the time. But the people- How would the pigeon communicate that they saw the body? They would peck. They would peck a little detector. They would say, oh, there it is. Whenever they saw the the things in the ocean. And so- That is amazing. Like- people versus pigeons and the people got it like less than 40% of the time and the pigeons got it 90% of the time. So they took them back and they're like, look, people, you're up against the pigeons here. You have got to do better. And so the people went out and they focused and tried to do it again. And they only got 50% of the time. So pigeons were still twice as good as people at finding. And it was really good. I mean, it was a great program. It got canceled because there was budget cuts and there was a helicopter crash and the pigeon died. And then by the time they started funding it again, um, they developed all this technology that works better than a pigeon. But oh. still, they help us whenever they can. They're just waiting. Maybe they should have a pigeon program at the TSA at the airport, which, as far as I know, still has something like 
something like an 80 to 90 percent failure rate uh, yeah. at TSA looking for weapons and stuff. Boy, they they Are can find. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's uh, what is what does Wendell call it? Um, security theater. Yeah. All right. Say there was a city that was so misinformed that they were like, we're getting rid of every pigeon. And this, you know, that's it. Too many pigeons. We're getting rid of the pigeons. What would be your first argument in support of them? In support of them? Like yeah. to tell them of, that they needed the to pigeons. get rid of their pigeons? Yeah, you're, so oh, you're in the, the courtroom now. I'm, I'm supporting the pigeons. And you're defending the pigeons. What would be your first argument? Would it? I, well, I would tell them that they are very important to the ecology of the city because the people, the people have fostered this pigeon population, and now the city depends on the pigeons living there. It uh-huh. would be really, really strange and really, really bad to not have like the plants are used to getting pooped on for hundreds and hundreds of years. The amount that not, they're getting pooped on at this point. Could you point. not make the same case for rats though? And there is that whole rats with wings thing, which I think you probably resent a little bit. But what's God, the diff they're there? Way better than rats. They're way better than rats. Well, rats actually do vector diseases for one, and for another, I just think that they're creepy and gross. I mean. Rats take they get into your house. Pigeons the spider don't come ant into your and, house. and pigeon ladies thinks that rats yeah, are creepy honestly. and gross. They are creepy and gross, but they're yeah, they neat are. because they're really intelligent and they have they have really cool family dynamics and they're they're neat on that end. But in terms of coming into your house and biting your children or something, I don't know. I think that rats can rats are too close. Pigeons don't really want to be in your house at all. They don't want to come inside. They just want to have their little babies and eat your bagels and then live their lives. So I think that, you know, in terms of pigeons versus rats, the city would not change that much if you got rid of the rats in terms of, you know, getting worse. But it would change a lot if you got rid of your pigeons. Oh, Hmm. wow. Well, you explained that to the jury very eloquently. Yeah. Also, then, you like we brought the pigeons here for the forces of good. We did not bring the rats here for forces of good. They just came. Yeah, we brought them accidentally, didn't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Nobody brought their beloved rat. We're gonna and, have to get a yeah. rat defender on this show sometime, and then we can have you both on to debate. That'll be great. Oh no, pigeons versus rats. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, they were also very good and on the waterfront. The pigeons. You know, I've been paying these expensive accountants for years, and I realized now I could have a pigeon do my bookkeeping. That would literally work for birdseed. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's a good idea. It really is. Well, Dr. Eleanor, that was fantastic. And now we are going to take this hard-won pigeon knowledge and run it through the old pounce-donator. Paula? Thank you so much, house band Marjorie, not that Marjorie, Marjorie Cooperman, delighting us on the piano. If I could ask you to delight us a little more with some background music, I will tell you what the old pounce-donator spit out. Dear Hardy Harrison, Theo Severus, Tonks, Shamwow, Wednesday, Mrs. Fezziwig, Lawson, Nash, Sirius, and Moe. I just got finished speaking with the wonderful Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice on the topic of pigeons. Pigeons are a keystone species in the ecosystem of a city. And guess what, Mo and Sirius? They don't bark. Pigeons poop on plants in the city, and the plants have adapted to the bird waste. 
Which one of you cats keeps pooping in front of the pantry? We are not adapting. Pigeons have been used to find people lost at sea. Harrison, I was just throwing your toy mouse for you. Do you have any idea where it is now? Pigeons can fly home from miles away. Theo, how many times have you gotten stuck in the linen closet overnight because you stupidly ran in there while I was getting a towel? What you are not understanding is that I could keep pigeons in a coop and they're sweet and fun. Which one of you cats scratched the shit out of my bedroom door because you wanted me to get up and feed you when you already had food in your bowl? Pigeons can read. Pigeons are fitted with little backpacks of technology to aid in scientific studies. Tonks, was it you that peed in my ear when I was sleeping on the living room floor? They live in dovecoats. You guys won't even leave your little kitty neckties on for an hour. Consider this notice that unless there are major behavioral changes around here, I am seriously considering leveling up in the area of domesticated animal companions. Sincerely, your servant, Paula Poundstone. You can check out her latest book, Ants, Workers of the World, which she talked about on this very podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Eleanor Spicer Rice, everybody. Yay! Thank y'all. Eleanor, you're the best. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. See you. Thanks, Good night. Bye. Good night. I forgot it was night there. Coming up, dearest one, of all the things I love about you, this ain't one of them. True Confessions Pet Peeves Edition is coming up next. detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered they are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? The spread of misinformation has fueled our cultural divide and increased our collective anxiety about the future. Tackling misinformation isn't a simple task, but it's important. And that's why I'm so excited to tell you about Conspirituality, a podcast that's dismantling new age cults, wellness grifters, and conspiracy mad yogis. On the show, a journalist, a cult researcher, and a philosophical skeptic walk into a bar and the bartender says, no, 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 it's not that old joke. They dive deep into current events such as RFK Jr.'s involvement in mainstreaming dangerous anti-vax rhetoric. Urgh. They crowdsource, research, analyze, and dream up answers to the problem with, get this, proven science as their ultimate guiding light. 
I highly recommend you check out Conspirituality's fascinating episodes on creating comedy in the MAGAverse with Jordan Klepper or RFK Jr. flirting with body fascism. And you've listened to a bunch of them at this point, Paul, I know, and you tell me you love it. I, I do. They're, they're fascinating, and my favorite part is they use, wait for it, proven... Science, Science? and and if if there's any kids listening, that's a class we used to take. Proven science as their ultimate guiding light. I love that. From exploring cults to analyzing our cultural and political landscape, the Conspirituality Podcast will help you stay informed about misinformation and help you resist fear tactics. Find Conspirituality on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fun fact, to protect them from desert sands, camels have three heavy eyelids. So when you see one wink, you know he's really into you. And we're back. Paula Poundstone, um, you had a fantastic idea, I think. And if it doesn't go well, I'm going to blame you um, for a, a question kind of for our true confession segment. Yes. Yes. Uh, I wanted to know what is something that someone you love always says or does that that drives you nuts? Maybe even something that you don't even tell them about. You just sort of put up with it. But honestly, it irks you. Yeah, and I thought that was brilliant. And you know what? Apparently, our listeners did, too, because Tony put that question on our Facebook page. And in less than 24 hours, we had, Tony, am I right, Six. Hundred responses. That is right. That's amazing. And that's just on Facebook. And that's just on Facebook. I'm sure there's a lot of other people on our other social medias that are also replying. Yeah. Even though we didn't post it there. That's just on Facebook. That's the amazing thing about that. But we'll kick it off and then get to our listeners as we launch our True Confessions Pet Peeve Edition. Oh, Adam. Yes. Adam, I wanted to tell you something. Okay, I didn't laugh at your fun fact. I thought it was funny and everything, but I thought of a theme song for this, and I was trying to make sure I remembered the melody. So here it goes. Okay, I'm going to forgive you for not laughing at my very, very amusing fun fact, Bonnie. Um, But... Uh, Bonnie, now that we've had the explanation, let's hear the melody that was worth not laughing for. Are you saying that you have a theme song? Is that what you're saying? I do. I have a theme okay. song. Okay. Okay. Huh. Curly Sue, Curly Sue, oh my darling, yes I do, oh Curly, my Curly Sue. <laughs> All right, I got, I got to stop this segment right now. Bonnie, Bonnie, what the fuck was that? This is this is true confessions pet peeve edition. How does that how does that even remotely relate to Curly Sue? And by the way, isn't the song Peggy Sue not Curly Sue? It is Peggy Sue. It's a blatant Buddy Holly ripoff. What were you thinking, Burns? So was that um, like what you're saying is that you have a friend? Who does a really bad Buddy Holly impression? 
and you've never really wanted to say anything to them about it, but it does bother you? I just felt like doing that. Yeah. Now, did you change it from Peggy Sue to Curly Sue on purpose? Well, I realized I had it wrong, and then I thought, oh, I'll just run with it. <laughs> yeah. Boy, you ran. You really ran. Um, because Curly yeah. Sue was a movie, right? It was a John Hughes yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, that was well, a good movie. I I was okay. about to say I don't think it was a well regarded movie. No, the girl, that girl, little girl in the movie, I forget what her mm. name is. She was a she was good. Did you see that movie? All right. Let's just put that behind us and move on to the <laughs> true confessions pet peeve edition. Okay, let me just oh, kick well. us bad, off. Bad. Um, my curly suit. Uh, 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 uh. Jesus Christ, Bonnie. I feel like she's on um, something. Paula, what's um, your pet peeve? And please uh, have it to something to do with Buddy Holly. I, I can't. I. Okay, I have a friend, a really good friend, someone who I love very much and I respect and I value. And she will, from out of nowhere... <laughs> Start talking about that really not well-regarded movie, Curly Sue. And <laughs> I have never understood why. And I try to. No. Okay. All right. If okay. From any... give, us a, All right. give us one of your pet peeves. Okay. I have a friend who, when she's talking, she'll sort of do like, okay. So she's talking. She'll say like, well, I, I want to tell you something. And then there will be this long pause. And she kind of sucks her teeth a little bit before she begins. So if you're with her, you can tell that it's going to be, you know, a good solid 30 more seconds while she pries her lips off her teeth to begin speaking. I've never known uh, why she does that, but especially if you're having a, a conversation that has any kind of emotional drive behind it, you, you know, where you just you're just stuck waiting. You know, it's like a long stoplight when you just don't know for sure when it's going to change. You know, and after a while, you're like, well, maybe it's broken. <laughs> uh, maybe I should just go. Yeah. So that's wow. that's no that's yeah that is that is uh, almost a platonic form of what we're looking for here. You love yeah. this person but it just annoys you. Um yeah. I have one and and I'll I'll be fully honest with you it's my fault because it's it's something I do to myself all the time. And what that is is you know I do most of the cooking around here. Yes, and, I've heard. And we we have a we have a pretty small kitchen, not a lot of counter space, you know, uh, with all the kids and stuff. Um you know, who we keep on the counters. And so yeah. um, when I'm cooking, frequently a genie will walk in and say, how can I help? And because I don't want to say, you can't help me, um, what I say usually is, oh, can you get me this or get me that? And I'll list a couple of the ingredients that I, I still need. Mm -hmm. And it, invariably she will get them out of the refrigerator and cram them into the tiny space where I'm cooking so I no longer have space to cook anymore. <laughs> Well, where did and you she, want I'll be like, her to Can put you get it? the onion? And she'll put the onion in the middle of the chopping block where I'm already working on on a green vegetable. You know that kind ah, of thing. Jesus. Um, and I don't say anything about it because, you know, I've asked her to get it for me. 
Right. And how how much of a dick would I be to say like, well, don't put it there. Well, here's what you could do. And I don't know the, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of your relationship, but you could say, could you get me an onion and put it over there near the chopping block, but not on it? I wish I could do that, but I never remember. It's always like I say it and then I hear her approaching and now it's too late. And now I'm going to sound like a dick if I, if I remember at the last minute that she's about to put it in my cooking space. Would it would it be helpful to have a T-shirt that says not on the chopping board? Damn it. Paula I am not asking you to solve my problems. I'm asking you to listen. A friend listens. Oh, that's the other thing I hate. When I tell someone to s- something and then they just keep trying to solve it. I hate that. Yeah, don't you? Yeah. I also hate it when people say, to be honest, because I think, well, you mean when you don't preface it with, to be honest, you're just fucking bullshitting me? Really? Yeah. Oh, I hate that. <laughs> All right, let's, let's, let's pass it around because we have to get to our listeners, too. Tony Nita Hull, step on up. Yes, stepped up. Um, my brother, Jeremy, who you know I love very much, he, the thing he does that drives me wait a insane. Minute. Is that, wait, Tony, is that the one you're trying to kill by going on a cruise? <laughs> yes, that would yeah. be correct. Okay, that's that's a beautiful relationship right there. Yeah, okay, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. Exactly. Um, so he he says his opinions as if they are facts. Oh, and it drives me insane. Like he's like he thinks that Mr. Totes is going to come in in the middle of the night and suck the life out of him. But instead of saying, you know, I I'm worried that the cat will do this. He'll say Mr. Totes will come in and suck the life out of me while I'm sleeping. Wow. Like that's just one example that he's been saying it a lot lately because um, he, he, he hates the cat. Who he hasn't even met. Wow. He's allergic to cats. So he's convinced that Mr. Totes is going to come in and suck his soul out in the middle of the night. But he doesn't even know <laughs> Mr. Totes. Yeah, but he hates him already. So. Okay, one thing. All right, and I know you're not asking me to solve your problems, and I know you're only giving an example <laughs> of a sort of thing. But you might want to point out to your brother, who I like just because you like him, that cats... Don't have lips that can <laughs> that can create a seal. Exactly. It's just something but, to keep in mind. Just from an engineering point of view, um, they can't suck anything. Actually, I well, ask suck- all of our listeners. I want all of our listeners to never ask how Paula knows this. <laughs> well, they can suck <laughs> at, at a at a teat um, because it's malleable. But yeah, they can't create a seal He's, around your mouth. No, but he 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 just states everything as if they are facts. Yeah, like, yeah. He never asks any questions. It's just this is this is true, and I always believe him too because I'm so gullible. Oh, and that's yeah. the problem. And then oh. I go repeating misinformation. Oh, it's very See, that is even worse. So you've said to people, Mister Totes sucked the life out of my brother. Oh, that's yes, embarrassing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that's, oh, that's, that's that's really bad. Exactly. All right. Um, um, even though I'm I, aware of the quick, irony. Yes. What? Yeah. Can I mention something about Curly Sue? Please. Okay. Oh, yeah. 
She's been it, Googling again. It has oh, a 13% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Is that good or bad? That's uh, bad. That's really well, bad, Bonnie. Received Bonnie, do you mostly remember? negative reviews. Do you remember when you were in oh. school and your teacher would hand your test back and it had a percentage <laughs> on it? <laughs> do you remember the time you got 13% and you waved it around the I, class and said, yippee? <laughs> <laughs> I almost I did a spit take. <laughs> okay, wait. What what about the girl that starred in it? What happened to her? Um Allison Porter. Um, yeah, she let's see. You know what? Maybe this line of inquiry should be saved for the podcast Googling oh. shit with Tony and Bonnie. <laughs> she auditioned you for don't the mind. voice. Your spinoff is perfect for this. She's pursuing a, a vocal career. Sue. She's, she prefer- did what? she's pursuing it. a vocal career, vocal much like career. you, Bonnie. I think when I was in therapy, I went to my therapist after that movie and said, oh, I saw this really cute little girl and she reminded me of when I was little. How embarrassing is that to admit right now? <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> Well, I, I, I think it's um, doing the math really quickly. I believe that's 87% embarrassing. <laughs> According to Rotten Tomatoes, that is Why? an 87% embarrassing moment. Why were you talking to your therapist about a movie? Because this is Paula, if we body- open up this box, we will never be able to shut it. <laughs> but, but no, that was a body- really long time ago. Yeah, she used to, her therapist was Jack Warner. And she used to go in and pitch ideas. <laughs> well, it's interesting, but uh, if you had a few songs, maybe you'd have something there. Jesus fucks. Get ready for the miracle of Mega, a comedy podcast from the staff of a fictional mega church. And, and not only does he f- but he's the best at it. I'm Holly Loren. And I'm Greg Hess. Our characters, Hallie and Gray, welcome a new guest each week, played by some of the biggest names in comedy and podcasting. Like Scott Ackerman, Lauren Lapkus, Paul Shear, Jason Manzukis, Cecily Strong, and Duncan Trussell. I just love to think about that, the light shining down on all those corpses in the water and Noah just going by and maybe maybe a mom being like, please, we're running out of energy. Can you please let us on the boat? It's completely improvised and it's devilishly funny. Is there any question you have for us about, you know, what it means to live a life in Christ? I guess, how much do you think is bullshit? There's a new episode every Sunday. Listen and subscribe to Mega, wherever you get your podcasts. Best I ever had. Best I Y'all can do it. Y'all can do it. Y'all can sing along. We you know what I'm saying? Go, Jesus, you the best. Jesus, you're the best. You to be the best. Jesus, you're Jesus, the best. You're the best. Oh, okay, best never mind. I ever had. Best wow. I ever had. All right, Bonnie, as long as you have the floor, which you, you seem to have a lot, um, what, what, tell us about a loved one. Tell us about a loved one and something that annoys you about them. Okay, well, first I want to say that you guys have given me some really good ideas of stuff to do to annoy other people. I didn't realize that was the goal. <laughs> no, I don't think it was. It's like it's like an added thing. Okay. I see. Here's one. Here's one. When you're talking to somebody, I I have a very close person in my life, and he's saying something to me, and then he goes, Do you know what I mean? 
like I didn't get the explanation. Yes, I know what you mean. Uh huh. But he says it constantly through the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Does he wait for an answer? What are you going to say? Yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, huh? but there's some people use that as sort of almost punctuation, or like an yeah. expression, like you know what I, you know what I mean, like that. But do you? But is he stopping and sort of squaring your shoulders to him and going, "Do you know what I mean?" Is he like? Does he really think yes. you don't know, or is it just an expression? No, he's like, you know, do you understand what I mean? <laughs> do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, Bonnie? Is it like that? Well, he doesn't say it like that, but he's like, you know. Are you talking about your therapist, Jack Warner? Didn't I just say what the problem was? Yes, you did. Okay. You did, and that's fair. And thank you for sharing, Bonnie. Um, this is a safe space sometimes. Hey, Tony Nita Hull, tell us what some of our listeners supplied. Yes. Wonderful. So I didn't use their last names because I felt like they maybe would want to remain anonymous a little bit, even though it's posted on Facebook. But um, anyway, so Dana F. said, when I ask my boyfriend what he wants for lunch, he'll say, what are you having? Or if I say, do you want tomato in your sandwich? He'll say, are you having tomato? OMG, just tell me what you want. What I want has absolutely nothing to do with what you want. That's Dana F. Oh, oh that's a good point. Uh, that is genuinely annoying, I would say. Wouldn't you, Paula? I would. I would say that that is annoying. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> okay. Yes. Isn't that annoying? I know what you mean. <laughs> Isn't that annoying? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. What what I want has absolutely nothing to do with what you want. That's exactly correct. Yes. All yeah. right. Thank you for sharing, Dana. Tony, give us another one. Oh my gosh. It's always something. Um Amanda G wrote, when a grown person says, Rot row, you're not five. Okay, you, you know what, that? though? <laughs> that is a Scooby-Doo reference. And I am yeah. totally in support of Amanda G. I, okay, I understand. I hear what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. But a Scooby-Doo reference doesn't mean that you're five. It just means that um, you you honor fine art. Rot roll. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Scooby-Doo. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I like I like a good row, ro too. I have to say. Okay. Yeah. And 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 the yeah. more ma matter of factly you say it, the less like Scooby Doo you say it, the funnier I think it is. You know, somebody just goes row row. Yeah, Ruh -roh. it's funny. <laughs> Boy, you know what would really piss off Amanda G is if you said Zoinks. Uh, I'll bet she would. Like <laughs> Zoinks, Amanda G. Like you totally don't like row row. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going in there. We got to get out of here. Um, Those were feet running. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, Tony, bring another. Karen how come D. when you watch? Wait, how come when you watch the Olympics and they were running, you never heard or yeah? I always wondered that, and you know, 
they just start running when the gun goes off. There's none of that like wind up where they're where their feet just kind of become this circular blur before they take off. Yeah, yeah. What do they know about running? All right, sorry to interrupt, Tony. You go ahead. No wor- no worries. It's your show. You do what you want. Um, wow. So Karen D. <laughs> wrote, well, I meant that. Sorry. <laughs> it's your show. It sounded really bitchy. It wasn't meant to sound bitchy. Oh, wait. I'm so I have, sorry. Okay, wait. Wait, I have one more. It's your show. Sometimes you I have a friend who I really want. love, and she'll say, and, and, and I'll say, I'm sorry, and she'll go, no. It's your show. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. So that no, I know people like that. It's yeah. it's so passive aggressive. Yeah. That's something. Bitchy. That's something I'm a little sensitive about. I am so sorry. Like my face is red because I'm so no, no, embarrassed. No. That's okay, Tony. This is your segment. You do it the way you want to do it. Yeah. Yeah, Tony. You're. You're the, you are a producer. You do whatever you want. No, Go ahead. it was it sounded so bitchy. Oh my gosh, I'm sweating profusely. Oh my god, it's so hot in here now. Okay. Um, <laughs> I I did not mean for it to come out that way. Okay. And then I heard the dead silence, and I realized how it must have sounded. Okay, so, um, <laughs> all right. Who? Okay, Karen D. Karen D. Yeah. has a friend who always says that she has ammonia instead of pneumonia. She always her friend oh. always has ammonia. Oh, well, ammonia, uh, Karen. Karen, if your friend always has pneumonia, show a little sympathy. (laughs) Pneumonia is serious shit. How often could someone's friend have pneumonia? And if they had it multiple times, what kind of a person would you be to criticize the way they say it? Yeah. Can you imagine, Paula? Paula, why don't you you, um, have terrible pneumonia and try to tell me what you have, but get it wrong? Yeah. Uh, Adam. Yeah, Paula. Oh, Paula. Adam. Come on. You can tell I me just, I'm your friend. I was just diagnosed with ammonia. <laughs> it's pneumonia, bitch. <laughs> oh. Uh-oh. Oh. <laughs> this is. <laughs> Soiks, let's get out of here. <laughs> um, I remember, I remember one time, one time I told Tony that I had pneumonia, and she said, "Fine, have whatever you want." Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna send you a card to apologize. Like that's how bad I feel. <laughs> Well, you know, I think Karen D needs to send her friend a card too, because if her friend always has pneumonia, yeah, that, that's a real terrible complaint. Yeah, I think it's time to reach out on another level, Karen. Although <laughs> it's only a close friend that will tell you that you're pronouncing your death sentence wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> P- 
Paula. I've got, I've got liver canker. Adam. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's cancer for Christ's sakes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I have a friend who had COVID. Oh God, that drove me crazy. Yeah. You were yelling at him right up until the last minute, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's COVID. <laughs> oh jeez. And could you stop making that noise? Yeah, yeah. So Karen. Karen, I think there's more that you could do for your friend and help with the pronunciation. I do. I just hear noise. There's a lot of noise on the line. Bonnie, I'm hearing... No, you know what happened while we were taping? My dogs just suddenly came running up here and... Now they're like picking up toys. My one of them has a squeaky ball in his mouth, and he's chomping on it and trying to drop it on the computer and get me to play with them. I don't know how they got past the gate. Huh? Have you ever felt like you could tell them you don't like that behavior? Nope. But we're doing a show. <laughs> Do you know one of them was like pulling up the rug from the floor while we were taking. <laughs> This is just such an exercise in, oh, my God. Wait, <laughs> buddy. Okay. I don't know where to start, but I what? might start in place of saying, why not not have a lot of papers on the floor while you're recording a podcast in a house no, with dogs? No, they're not supposed to be up here. Somehow they got up here. All right, Tony, uh, do one more. Okay. Maria V. wrote, post blanket questions on social media to try to glean comedic content from responses. Do you know, I saw this email and I really thought she was saying it about like somebody else that she knew did this. And it took me a minute to realize she was describing what we had done. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, definitely what she's doing there. So (laughs) apparently we have really irked Maria V. Wow. I have a feeling that if I have ammonia, Maria V won't do a thing for me. <laughs> God damn it, Paula, it's pneumonia. <laughs> and my canker is coming back. Cancer. <laughs> yeah, it's in my pancreas. Okay. <laughs> Way to bring the room up, Adam. All right, well, that's the end of that. And that is the end of our True Confessions Pet Peeve Edition. Um, I don't think funny. you want the theme song here, do you? Yes. Curly Sue, <laughs> Curly Sue, hooka, 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 Curly Sue. Oh, baby. We could do it together, Paula. Oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's why the dogs came upstairs. I'm just going to bring the curtain down on this one. Hey, uh, Paula Poundstone, what's going on in the uh, Poundstone product empire these these days? Adam, Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, has made quite a splash this summer. I don't know if you saw all of the Olympic athletes wearing my remarkably soft tri-polyblend t-shirt with a self-portrait on the left breast and a memorable quote on the back in baseball and standard styles. 
but they got it at the store at my website at paulapoundstone.com. Also, I'm happy to announce that four out of five dentists recommend Poundstone Pussy Pillows for your cat. They're four and a half inch by five inch handcrafted catnip filled pillows. Each one has a grommet on the top to attach a string. Plus, a cat joke on one side and on the other side, I will autograph it to your cat. Four out of five dentists can't be wrong. But wait, what? There's more! On September 30th, join me for a night of laughter in Austin, Texas at the Paramount Theater. On October 2nd, I hope you can make it to the Anthonyum Theater in Chicago. And on October 7th, I'll be loving New York at Town Hall in New York, New York. It won't be fun at all without you. I hope you can come. You can get tickets by going to the tour page at paulapoundstone.com and we'll be together again in no time. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. And I just want to add to that, that last week, because of some pre-promotion, my new book, Confessions of a Puppet Master, written by Charles Band with Adam Felber, went to number one on the Amazon list of books about horror movies. And that's a pretty competitive category. Um, So if you want to keep those pre-sales flowing... Please go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or wherever you buy, pre-order your books and pre-order Confessions of a Puppet Master. I swear to you, it's going to be a really fun time for you to read it. Now, subscribe to this podcast. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there's something you want to know more about, tell us. We're at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com. And consider going to review our show on Apple Podcasts. We love those reviews. And that's our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Leigh Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Eleanor Spicer-Rice. Yay! And thanks to our house band, Nobody Marjorie, not that Marjorie, but Marjorie Cooperman. Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Niedahoe. Editor is Michael Hoagie. Intern is Carly Patron. Starburns production by Land Romo and Kyle McGraw. Stop right there. This is Carly Patron's last show. Carly, thank you so much uh, for, for all of your help during your internship and good luck. That's right, yeah, Carly, Carly. You were fantastic Woo! here, and we're going to just miss the heck out of you. You were great. Carly Patron, everybody. Yay! Bye, Carly. Yay! Transcription services for the show provided by Transcribe Me, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? Boy, we Hello. really, uh, yeah. We I, really. I have terrible, t- t- terrible news. What I am. Um, I've got. Uh, I've got the. Uh, Corona virus. <laughs> it's it's coronavirus, asshole. <laughs> what? I said I have the coronavirus. I might not have much time. <laughs> well, you have time to learn to pronounce it correctly. That's what I say. Why are you like this? <laughs> and you know what? That skin what? thing you have is not psoriasis. It turns out I have a Melania. (laughs) What? 
melania you know skin cancer that's a melanoma <laughs> can you stop correcting me i'm really hurting you no I, you know what then you should go to the emerge room <laughs> it's the emergency room way you do it. <laughs> Adam, I have a yes, a chronic co a chronic what? Co It's pronounced cough Paula for your information. <laughs> oh. Yeah, you're right. Let me rephrase that. It's pronounced cough. Yeah, you're right. Cough. Cold. Cool. No, but you call really it whatever cool. you want. It's your podcast. No, do what you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> no, whatever you want. You're the, you're the co-host. Right. Go ahead. Do what you want. <laughs> Network.